If you're tired of bad news, if you need some positivity, if you want to support small businesses, then welcome to Happy Grateful Blessed with Kaysville's own mayor, Tammy Tran. Here, you'll get to see the best of humanity from within Utah's hidden gem, Kaysville City. Every month, you'll discover small businesses, hear unique and incredible stories, and understand the difference you make in this wonderful city. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll never miss a chance to find a new business to support and learn what makes a city like this one work as well as it does. So join us as we explore Happy Grateful Blessed with Tammy Tran. Ernie, I'm happy to be with you today. I'm happy to be with you. I'm excited to talk to you. Thanks for coming in. So Larry Naibo Mm -hmm. told me about you. And he said, Tammy, you've got to have Ernie on your podcast. He grew up in Kaysville. He's awesome. So I'm really excited that you, you know, were I knew Larry willing to take me and out. his big brother uh, from Davis High back here, you know, where, where, where did you grow up? I grew up, well, I grew up, grew up in Chubbuck, Idaho. Okay. But I moved in the middle of my ninth grade year to Farmington. Okay. And then uh, went to um, Farmington Junior High for the last half which was a nightmare, by the way. Farmington Junior. Mm-hmm. And then, um, well, just because I was new, new it, curriculum. It's a hard time to, gr- to oh, move. Oh, my grades were terrible. Ninth grade's rough. And then I moved to, uh, then my next year was 10th grade. And so here at, in uh, Davis County, it was 9th, 10th, and 11th, or uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade was high school. Oh, okay. Like in some of the other places, it's like you yeah, have you four have years high. of high school, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, being in high school, I met uh, Larry and Craig those guys are crazy and <laughs> super, super fun. I ended up working with Craig at an ad agency. That's what so. Larry said. Mm-hmm. And, and you're also an illustrator. Uh-huh. Yep. So tell me about, tell me your story. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so I come from a family of nine boys. And we and were talking about Yeah. You were saying, earlier. hey, what are their names? And I'm like, Darren, Sean, Reese, Emo, Ernest, Lance, Matthew, Joe, Gary. It's like, holy cow. That's a lot of boys. And then you said... I feel sorry for your mom. Why does everybody say that? It should be like this, oh, what a great little... What a great... Like, treasure. Treasure to have nine right. boys. Right. Oh, right. I just... I, to be to be that outnumbered. <laughs> to be that outnumbered. Your, yeah. your poor mom. She yeah, must be an amazing mom. woman. She is. She's an amazing woman. But uh, with when you're growing up with uh, eight brothers, um, one of my older brothers was uh, academic All-American, 4.0 student, um, you know, and you got little brothers that need attention and time. It's really hard to get attention. You know, mom and dad only have so much. I've got four kids, and I just cannot imagine having nine, right? It would be a lot. And so how, how do you, as a young person, uh, get, get the attention in a positive way? Did you think about that, though, when you were little, or is I, it something that you've thought back on? I, 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 I thought back on it, but I reflect on... Like, I think everybody wants to feel meaningful. And, um, you know, you can, uh, kids can do really bad things to get attention. And that's the easy way to do out. it. That's true. Right? It is the easy way. And, uh, but what I found is I loved to draw. Now, I wasn't great as a kid, but I, was, I had the same capacity as anybody else. So I wasn't gifted or anything. In fact, my twin brother, when we first started drawing a little bit, probably like, you know, when I was six or seven years old, when I can remember, I remember drawing Woodsy the Owl. Woodsy. Give a hoot, don't pollute. Oh, Woodsy. Okay? okay, Woodsy the Owl. It's like a little, little um, anti-pollution. Coming back to me. Kid. Yes, I remember. This that. is back in the in the seventies, right? So anyway, I'm drawing Woodsy the Owl, and Emil draws something else that's way better than my Woodsy the Owl. And um, 
but I, and I enjoyed the process. And then what happens is like in anything, whether you're a piano player or um, a student or whatever, eventually what can happen is uh, like an adult or a parent or a friend will say, oh my gosh, you're really good. That, like if it, you're it starving, spark, doesn't it? oh, it does. And so I'm like, well, that felt really good. I'm going to do another one. And then you get, oh, that, hey, that's really good. Oh, that's really good. Pretty soon you find some type of identity with that skill. Absolutely. And it becomes your your thing. It, yeah. What you're known for, what yep. you love. Yep. Oh, Ernie, he's an artist. He's, yeah. he's good. It, it makes you special. Yeah. And I was tiny as a kid. Like I remember being in seventh grade, I was 72 pounds. Eighth grade, I was 84 pounds. And I remember I know, the reason I know that is that that's the weight I wrestled. Oh, in. So you were. So I was tiny, and so um, you were. I wasn't going to be a great athlete, and I wanted to be, but uh, there was just not in the cards for me. My DNA didn't allow it. I understand that. Believe so me. being creative <laughs> was a way for me to um, to kind of stand out and be recognized. And so I I um, I focused a lot of energy in in that pursuit. Um, you were telling me a story about your teachers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I went to Davis High, I I knew I wanted to pursue some kind of a career in art, and but I didn't know what they what kind of careers there were, uh, and I was good enough that people would recognize me as being a good artist. Like you were their kind of go to. You were yeah, the go to guy. I was I was I was one of the better artists in high school, right? Which is I was like I'm I'm the king worm in the worm pile. It's not a big deal. When you go to college and you realize how not that great you are, there's a wake-up call. But uh, Mr. and Mrs. Perkins taught at Davis High for years. And their encouragement, kindness, patience. Were, um, were they a husband-wife team? Yeah, their husband-wife really? team. Uh, they taught sister together? Per- sister Perkins. Mrs. Perkins was the uh, like pottery and, and um, metalwork when we would do like rings and stuff like that. And Mr. Perkins was uh, like drawing, uh, painting and stuff. And my big thing, I love to draw. And man, I just remember uh, he's got these little squinty, twinkly eyes. And he was receding hairline, gray hair, big nose, and constantly <laughs> smiling. Really? Yeah. Con- and, and he would always just like, he wasn't effusive in his praise, but he was just so cheerful about it. He says, hey, this is looking really good. This is looking really good. And I'm like, I want to do everything I could to make him go. Just to make him smile and make him happy. And one one of the things that he told me, uh, and this was, I was a junior, he said, because I was drawing like faces and hands and stuff like that. And he said, those are the hardest things to draw. So if you want to be really good, focus on heads and hands. And I drew so many heads and hands that were garbage at first. And now I can draw heads and hands out of my head. Like in any form, because I understand the anatomy. I study the anatomy enough. Really? So any kind of hand just, gesture. Just to get good at it. Yep. Um, but it, if, cool. if he hadn't challenged me, I wouldn't near. I wouldn't have pursued that uh, and, and drive. And maybe developed it as much as you yeah. have. Yeah. Thank goodness for good teachers. Oh, it's yeah. I, I was as you were talking. I was thinking about some teachers that I've had that have really impacted me. And there are some amazing people out there. Yeah. And they do, especially when you're young and you're in that pressurable age and you're trying to look for your thing. And even being in a long, a large family, you yeah. were probably more intent on finding that. What was what was cool. your thing like in high school and, and I was stuff. a nerd in high school. 
Yeah. Well, kind of. I debated. Okay. I, I love to debate, and okay. people would always tell me I was good at it. Uh-huh. And my mom would always tell me I needed to be a lawyer because I love to argue. <laughs> but she really encouraged it, and my my debate coaches encouraged it, and it was yeah. it was a fun thing. So, did you pursue? Are, are you an attorney? No, <laughs> no, I didn't end up going to law school. I politics. Who, who knows? Maybe someday. But but I'm in yeah local government. Uh-huh. So. Awesome. It, it's kind of fun. It's just but fun, though, to, to hear that you're good at some things. In, when you're in politics, do you need to be succinct, articulate? Uh, you need to be well-read. All the things that you had to do in debate to prepare, to prepare for a debate. prepare for it, exactly. Yeah. Which is kind of fun just to find hints to our future and our, our talents mm-hmm. when we're really young. <sighs> Love it. Larry was telling me about the amazing, incredible um, rebranding you did for Maverick. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun project. Did they just bring you in and say, okay, we need a new look, or were you already working there? No. Um, so I, uh, so after, after high school, I went to the University of Utah for a year. I served an LDS mission to Ireland, came back, and then did a, uh, went to school at Utah State when they had an excellent illustration program. At that point in time, I'm like, I didn't know, like, what do I, how do I use this art in some kind of career? Like, I knew about Disney animation. I knew about, like, like uh, illustrations you would see in a magazine or, like, a, public, a publication. But I didn't know what else you could do. So I ended up getting hired at an ad agency in Salt Lake City as a storyboard artist and as a, we called it a comp artist. Basically, it's a, it's a pre-visualization artist where I would sketch out the ideas that an art director or creative director would describe to me. This is before and, and stock photo was really easy. So that easy. they'd have something yep. to present. Okay. I would sketch it out, and sometimes it'd take me two or three times, but I had to be very quick and accurate. And then that would be um, presented to the client to say, hey, this was the creative director's idea. We would take a photo of something that looked kind of like this drawing. Oh, okay. Okay. So that okay. was, that was my... Storyboard. Okay. Yep. So that was my uh, career. I started my own business two years later as an illustrator designer guy. Uh, eight years later, uh, no, five years later, I started uh, working. Maverick was, I was introduced to Maverick by a client of mine and they said they need a new ad. They want to do a TV commercial. And they said, oh, by the way, if you don't know, Maverick is this, uh, it used to be known as Maverick Country Stores. I remember that. Very country western mm-hmm. look and feel and they were all over Utah established or uh, yeah, established in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Major footprint of stores in Utah and Idaho and Wyoming. And they had this very uh, cowboy-themed um, store. They had uh, a mustached Stetson hat-wearing maverick man. Cow- cowboy. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay. He was the maverick man. and uh, But when I was asked to do a TV commercial, the the guy uh, who was in charge, he was one of the, he was the third generation, one of the third generation owners of Maverick. He said, I don't like the cowboy thing. And I'm like, so how do we do an ad right. that promotes the brand It's completely that is different cowboy? Yeah. and non-recognizable. Yeah. And so I asked him, hey, would you be interested in learning and in exploring a different type of brand? And he was like, I would love that. I don't I don't I just don't want to perpetuate this cowboy theme. I think it's tired, it's old, it's been used. Third generation of yep. Yeah. And so he wanted to make his mark. And so we did a bunch of research. Me, I had like eight people that worked for me at the time. And so we did a bunch of research where we would interview P 
people at convenience stores, some at Mavericks, some at not, you know, and we found out that most people really didn't like going to convenience stores. It's true. They were right? known as kind of dirty and dirty, limited supplies. Yep. And um, but the only time that they really enjoyed going to mm-hmm. a convenience store is on their way to an adventure. Because That's they would true. give themselves permission to like, okay, they're fueling up. They're going to go buy licorice buy treats. and treats and snacks. And the guys are going to get their beer and stuff. So that it created this really fun uh, uh, perspective for convenience store shopping. And so we thought, what if we were able to to turn Maverick into the place where you stop on your adventure? So we'd have to create this theme or this personality for the brand that would be Adventure's First Stop. And two guys from uh, Kaysville came up with that that tagline. Really? It was uh, either Mark Farr or Brett Thomas. They're both, both local guys. But it, it was one of those two that came up with Adventure's First Stop. Um, but that became the lens through which we viewed all of our marketing tactics. And so it, it evolved into this ad- highly exciting adventure brand. And we left Cowboyland And it was overnight. I mean, it seemed like it happened really quickly. And it was a complete refreshing... Yeah. Marketing campaign. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you changed and the look of the And it's still alive stores. today. It's like, this was 2001, and it's now 2022. Yeah. So it's been 21 years. And it's, really? Yeah, it's been 21 years. But oh, I didn't it, like, realize that. It's kind of funny. Is, is you said, oh, it seemed quick. Like, for me, I'm like, it took forever. <laughs> I remember back, well, 20 years ago, I uh-huh. guess. I didn't realize it was 20 years ago. Just noticing that Maverick was changing, and their stores were big, and they were open, and they had mm-hmm. lots of different variety. And, yeah. and you're right. As we'd go on road trips, that would be the only time you could buy gas station treats. Mm-hmm. And it was a big mm-hmm. deal. Oh, yeah. And that's I incredible. remember Maverick was the first place that you could buy refillable mugs. They were orange. Orange, I And they were those. like 32-ounce, huge 32-ounce refillable mugs, right? That was and you could actually get them refilled for a penny per ounce. Was it that inexpensive? It was that. It was like oh, 32 gosh, cents to get a refill. And so my mom, think about it, you had nine, nine. kids, mm-hmm. right? We all were in this house at the same time because there was like some older and some younger, but there's always a bunch of us. And so the smart thing to do was to get a bunch of Maverick mugs. <laughs> and just and so, send you okay, your kids, Yeah, instead of <laughs> getting great. like an 85 cent or a 75 cent drink, that's true. mom could get three or four of them for the same price. That's so smart. Mm-hmm. My, and, and that's something that my mom taught me was to be super frugal, very cost conscious. I still to this day look at cost per ounce when I go buy things at the supermarket. Do you? Oh, Good all for you. the time. Good for you. I well, don't have to. But I, I'm, I'm just so it's programmed just to do that. Mm-hmm. I remember being a newly married person, th- going to the grocery store with my littlest, thinking someday I want to be able to buy whatever I want at the grocery <laughs> store. That would be my dream come true. Totally, totally. <laughs> it is. It is a dream, just, especially when you're you feel so restricted. Yeah. Uh, on like I can't get this and I can't get that. And you're being so conscientious, and it's mm-hmm. good to be that way. Yeah. It's good because then you do grow up and you can maybe buy. Yeah. A, a brand item or something. Yep. I, one of the things I get really concerned about, and you as a as someone who's in in civil service, trying to do some leadership, is I'm really concerned that my children, mm-hmm. they've never 
had to go through the process, mental process of going, you know, I don't know if we can get Oreos today. Oreos do not go in the basket today. <laughs> I mean, for them, it's like, so I true. want an Oreo, I get an Oreo. Mm-hmm. What do we do? How I, do we help our kids? You know, I completely agree with that as I thought about our own kids. So the best thing for our daughter was, she, she well, yeah, we have two, a boy mm-hmm. and a girl. She's grown, they've both grown up kind of spoiled because yeah. there's just two of them. And uh, she went to college and she went with her wonderful childhood friend and her childhood friend had been raised very responsibly mm-hmm. in terms of saying okay do we choose an oreo or do we choose this yeah. and instead of having both yeah and it was fantastic and she went to school with her and they shared a grocery budget mm-hmm. and so they'd go down the aisle and her friend would say nope you can't buy that that's name brand this is 40 cents cheaper we're buying this right and she'd call me mom is it real cheese <laughs> is uh-huh. it real cheese uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, dear. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I feel the parent. Brand. It's a different brand. It's still cheese. It's going to be great. And and so that was really good for us. But I am concerned because just the whole generation of kids, yeah. mm-hmm. they've never really. They don't know what it means. What scarcity means yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, they just think that things will just show up at your doorstep forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that scares it, me. It's scary. It scares me because we have become so accustomed to immediacy, uh, to granting our your in our instant wish and we have the financial resources most of us have the financial resources to yeah. do that mm-hmm. like oh i want this i i get open my phone right and i amazon <laughs> ship night. it and either that night or tomorrow mm-hmm. it shows up and so um the idea of this or that like these options that doesn't come into play it's this and that and because i want it now right and there's there's always been plenty of money you know cuz I actually, um, one time good. Uh, in 2008, during the big recession, like my agency, I, I was self-employed. I had 10 people working for me. Budgets were being cut. Budgets were being cut. Ooh. And I didn't, my, my business didn't feel it until later. And what was happening is I would continue to do work for clients. And these clients would promise to pay. And then I would stretch my, you know, I remember one point I'm like, okay, I've got all this receivables coming in. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be coming in. In order for me to stay alive, I've got to borrow money to pay my employees to float. Mm -hmm. That's stressful. So I did that for a month and then found out none of these clients are going to pay me. I had to let everybody go. Oh, that's... I had to... um, um, I had to figure out a way to pay off like all by myself. I think it was like $75,000 in media costs. Oh, and and that bank you're loans. Stuck with? Oh. I'm stuck with this stuff, and I'm like in my basement trying to make ends meet. And I remember talking to my kids, saying, "Look, your dance lessons—it's six hundred dollars a month. I don't know if I can do that." They looked at me as if I just killed Santa Claus. I bet you know, I bet. and they're like, "I don't." They just like I have no concept of what it means to have. And I'm I'm in tears because I want them to be happy. Oh. I want them to be like enjoying these things. I want them to have time filled with exercise and positivity and teamwork right, and the stuff opportunities like that. that. So my kids are crying now, and I'm like, hey, we we need we may need to cut these. <clears throat> this was probably so 2008. This was what 13 years ago. So my kids were nine to 14. Really young. And they're going, I, you have created so much trauma for us. 
And I'm like, that's probably a good thing. I was, as I'm thinking you know, about this, it's like, great. oh, it's terrible. Like, well, no, I want you to be very conscious that right, things cost money. And things can be taken away. Yeah. You can lose things. So be careful about what, you, what your expectations are. The impression that you left with them, I, I don't see that as trauma at all. That's impactful yeah. to be able to have those discussions with your parents that are very honest and real. Mm-hmm. And know that you, they're still going to have a place to live. You're still going to have food to eat. Yeah. That's that's, they a, didn't that's, say impactful, a, good, that's a good parenting they said moment, trauma. I think. Well, I'm they sure. called it trauma. Yes. And I, you know what's kind of interesting is I look back and I go, I, 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 this isn't the first time I shared that story, but other people have kind of suggested that, Ernie, your role as a father is to make them feel protected and secure. And because you didn't do that, you caused this, this, this anxiety really? for them. I'm like, well, yeah, is is that the right? Is it the right? Yes, I am supposed to protect them, and you and you have. But I'm also a. I'm supposed to like teach them. Absolutely. And so one of the best ways to teach them is like, hey, here's real life. Here's what's going on, so that when they get into a marriage mm-hmm. or a family and their husband loses their job, they go, I know what this is like. Exactly. Instead of our whole world has just fallen apart, I have no idea even right. how to approach right. this. So many kids have never had anything hard happen. Yeah. You know, their hardest day is. They forgot their water bottle. Yeah. Their Stanley Or their cup. phone's out or of their phones, uh, battery. Th- exactly. I mean, that's their that's hardest trauma. day. That's trauma. It is. And it's stressful. Mm-hmm. And they think they have anxiety over it. And, and, and I realize anxiety and stress is real. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that so many kids haven't ex- experienced anything yeah. hard. And so yeah. I think that's incredible, actually. My dad had some financial problems when we were younger. And mm-hmm. had well, a, did he, he talk a business to you about owner. it? Or did, did, um, were you aware of it? We were aware of it because we saw it happening. And my mom would tell us about it. Mm-hmm. But and, and even though it was traumatic for us, it, it was more teachable. It was mm-hmm. teachable moments. I think yeah. it helped us all realize, okay, you need to have this Plan B. You need yeah. a plan B. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's it's taught me. So I think that's and great. And there are needs before wants. wants. Exactly. And they're not the same thing. No, they're not. Yeah. And it's good to be able to sacrifice a little bit. And you're talking about just as a local leader mm-hmm. in government, yeah. you know, it's kind of scary that people don't know what that's like. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of impacts to our economy in terms of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And we're having to make tough decisions. And so during city council meetings, we're, you know, we were going to have a truth and taxation hearing, which mm-hmm. allows the city to recapture, to capture increased values on homes, mm-hmm. uh, making your tax rate a little bit. higher. It, yeah. seemed, it doesn't yeah. change the rate, but it makes it makes you pay more. Mm-hmm. And, and these were great conversations to have as, as far as saying, okay, what can we cut back on? What do we not need? Mm-hmm. Versus what's really nice to have. Yep, wants versus wants needs. Wants versus needs. And mm-hmm. I know all over the country right now, people are having this conversation yeah. at the kitchen table, and it's good. And we're, we, uh, we live in a community here in Kaysville. We're very where lucky. We are so affluent. We're, and that's one of the things I think is kind of interesting. I was talking to some uh, my daughter's friends <clears throat> about trauma, about this impact, about the scariness of what they've experienced and stuff, where... Um, where like just two generations ago, there were people who experienced like just atrocities that are unimaginable in war and in uh, you know racial discrimination and genocide and things like that. People like grandparents, great grandparents, actually saw right. this going on. They did. Yeah. Okay, that's that. I would say that's traumatic. That's trauma. 
And so I was talking to some girls that were talking about like, oh, yeah, this was traumatic. My mo- dad yelled at me one time when I was a little kid and it was really traumatic for me. And so <laughs> I said, me let, me, let me kind of like give a baseline. Let's do some perspective here. So this was trauma, this my great grandma. Mm-hmm. And then your trauma was like your dad yelling at you. So why is that traumatic? And it was interesting. They, uh, the, these girls said, the baseline of what's traumatic has shifted. Mm-hmm. Everything is so good. So awesome. It is. And our expectations are so easy that anything outside of that can be highly traumatic. And so yeah. if that's all they've experienced, then yeah, I guess so. I, I think it's it's interesting. Our daughter-in-law is from South Korea. Okay. And she was telling us that her brother and every South Korean man has to serve in the military. Mm-hmm. It used to be three years. Now I think it's, it's less. Maybe mm-hmm. it's 18 months or something. Um, and she was just telling us how it's just an expectation. It's not even an expectation. It's a law. You have mm-hmm. to do yeah. it. And I was thinking, gosh, what would happen if all of a sudden our boys that age were drafted? Mm-hmm. It would be horrible because we are soft, yeah. all of us, including yeah. moms. I mean, yeah. I would burst into tears too. Our oh, son totally. served a mission and I mourned for two years and it mm-hmm. was so traumatic oh, yeah. and it was so <laughs> so sad and so depressing. And that's before we could FaceTime him and things like that, which yeah. really makes it even more oh, heck yeah. more wonderful. But um, we haven't done anything like that. Yeah. And it it's kind of worrisome. But imagine... Imagine the level of unity we would achieve as a society if I knew you served too. We've had a shared common experience exactly. that was tra- that was traumatic, mm-hmm. that was hard, mm-hmm. but yet we've done that together. You know, where did you serve? Where I, here's what here's what I did. I served, and so there's a bond that happens, and so we we can develop uh, respect for each other. We can empathy for each other if we were to do something like that. And so I would love, as as scary as that sounds, I would love to have a common unifying experience for all of our youth to go through. Mm -hmm. Because right now there's so much disparity in terms of like gender and um, religion. And there's so little, um, I don't know, uh, tolerance Mm -hmm. for each other. And the people that are claiming that they want more tolerance seem to be less tolerant of other opinions. And so you've got all this this crazy stuff. But if we all went through something together that was hard, we go, okay, look, I love you, man. Because right. remember that thing we did we, together? Because we get, yeah, mm-hmm. I get you. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to, we had the, the Utah League of Cities and Towns Conference last week. And one of, in the keynote speaker, he was a firefighter. He was the chief of one of the departments in New York during... Um, the Twin Towers. Uh-huh. I love, and he mm-hmm. was talking about that, and he was talking about how, you know, as horrific as it was, it brought the whole world, and especially America, together. Yeah. Because we were united. We'd all experienced this together as yes. a country. Not that we want bad things to happen. Right. But we could even do it in a good way, if we mm-hmm. could just find a good cause to rally again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Towards, I guess. We, we, when we all face something together, our, I think our natural tendency is to bond with each other because mm-hmm. we want strength from each other. True. And when things are so easy, we have so much affluence, we can, and, and because of the pandemic recently, we've become very isolated and independent, and we've lost a little bit of that social fiber we have. that binds us together. Mm-hmm. That connection. And so, yeah. And I, what I'm, you know, as I think about it, I think, something's going to happen. I'm not, you know, <laughs> like, something's right. going to happen that's going to force us to be close again. And that scares me for my kids, my grandkids and mm-hmm. stuff. Is there going to be a time when you can't go get a bag of Oreos? 
I you hope know? not. I hope not. It's hard to to imagine. Yeah. Except that I think the pandemic did make it more real for us. Yeah. Where it was weird going to the grocery stores and seeing them empty. The shelves empty. That was weird to in me. In our lifetime, we have seen that. And so I think what's good for our kids that have experienced that, they go, okay, we know it, it's, it's not a guarantee that life will always be smooth. We know that things can go bad. That's true. But we also rebounded pretty quickly. Yeah, we did. And so for a minute there, it was really scary and stressful. And mm-hmm. then... It was okay, and so and and that's that's the the, the nature of life in the circle, and I think that's it good. Is. But it is. I, for sure, I think that our our kids could bond over some good experiences. Mm-hmm. Right now, I wanted to ask you so about the branding. You mm-hmm. you totally changed Maverick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a number that <clears throat> I saw, and I can't remember what it is. So tell me how that marketing so, campaign went. <clears throat> so it's kind of fun after. After doing this rebrand and doing all the marketing materials and stuff for like for nine years, uh, Maverick would outsource most of their marketing and production for nine years. And so at that point in time, we were putting um, uh, murals inside the stores. We're redesigning the stores to get, bring take the cowboy out mm-hmm. and the adventure, adventure. in. And uh, I started working. I was hired by Maverick in 2010 to be their executive director of marketing. And oh, so I okay. oversaw all the stuff as an in-house guy. As an guy. in-house guy, okay. What was super fun for me is I felt like I was the mechanic working on the Formula One race car and watching somebody else drive it. And that was the chance for me to get in the cockpit That's... and see what I could do to drive this thing. And so from 2010 to 2018, I was I was in the cockpit and I was racing this and I was pushing as far as and as hard as I could. And one of the things I learned is in the eight years that I was there, Maverick's value grew like 600%. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. 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 Huge, huge difference. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is in, and so I consult and I speak about branding in convenience stores and in convenience store locations all over the country. There's very little that distinguishes one convenience store from another. Like 95, 98% of what one convenience store sells, another, their competitor sells. So same Cheetos, mm-hmm. same Snicker bars, same Coca-Cola. I mean, same everything. And there's very few SKUs, very few items that are different. So how does one become a preferred over the other? And so my, my feeling has always been, you've got to give people a feeling when they come into your store. Okay. And that is a brand. It's a it's an intentional brand strategy where you go, I want, I call it the desired customer reaction. I want someone to leave this experience. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Leave this the experience and I want them to say, wow, that was blank. So even my personal brand, I, I'm deliberately showing up with you mm-hmm. and I want you to say, wow, that was awesome. Okay, that is my intentional thing. So when I leave, I want you to turn around and Larry and say, man, that was awesome. And, and Which was obviously like, I'm energy, going to do, right? for sure. But if, in order for me to elicit that response uh-huh. from you, I have to engineer an experience that would create that. That is brilliant. Okay, okay so my, uh, my podcast audience mm-hmm. consists of public servants, legislators, mm-hmm. um, you know, municipal people who are working in government, but also small business owners. Mm-hmm. And so as you're talking about branding, 
Mm-hmm. Individual branding versus, you know, Maverick, which is huge. Right. That's the key. That's the, the key to success, And the principles right? are the same, whether you're an individual brand or a, a global phenomenon. Okay. The, the, um, I've, I've developed this process. I wrote a book after going through a whole bunch of this, these experiences, and I wrote this book called Your Brand Sucks, How to Ignite a Brand That Doesn't, okay? Uh, okay. Actually, I've seen that. Okay. I've seen that. It's a black book I with like a flame. T- I love the title. You know, there. So, Your Brand Sucks. But um, if you know, like if, for you mm-hmm. as a public servant, one of the things that you might say is like as a desired customer reaction, I want people to feel really heard. And so, True. what does that mean you have to do to show up and be in experiences where you demonstrate that, that I'm listening. so much so that you're listening that when someone leaves, they go, I just, I felt like she really heard me. Oh, okay. Right? Yes. And if you knew that's what that. you wanted desperately to have them say, what would that, how would you change? How, what would you do to get that? I, w- I would definitely be more engaged mm-hmm. and, and, and try to have one-on-one experiences Yeah, and, and, and have those opportunities to really listen to people, mm-hmm. to make the eye contact, to make them feel like they're important in yep. this you know, conversation. Yeah. So yeah. eye contact, okay. body language. Mm-hmm. You might even write down something that you learned about that experience and Which post I it on social media. Which I just did right? Right? Post on social media so that when people hear about, like, Ooh, that's gosh, fantastic. You know what? Tammy, she listens to people. Like, literally, because you've demonstrated it in your body language, in your, in your mind, uh, sometimes even what you wear. So that I'm not distracted by anything. <laughs> Right. I just look at your eyes mm-hmm. and because I want to know you are. And if, right. you, and if you dress in a way that forces me to just look at your face, then I know. That's, that's These, really interesting. I haven't thought about how. Brand you're... is an intentional, engineered experience to get your customer, your audience to look and feel a certain way. Okay. It is. It is not something like what we end up doing is going, we think, well, it's not. What our pe- what our audience happens to feel or happens to think as a result of us showing up in a genuine way. Okay. We go. This is what we want. This is what I want you to feel. And so, okay. And, and so what do I do as a brand, personal brand or a business brand, that identifies what I want them to say? Because it's not something that you just, hmm, today I want people <laughs> to think Ernie's awesome. No, no, today, tomorrow, though, I want er, I want people to think, Ernie is a tender, sensitive soul. So then I'm going to act that way that day. So I'm going to act that way. That, Got no, it. It's like, what What do I truly want on a consistent basis? And in my book, I, I d- develop four steps. Okay, I'm going to go get this fire. book. Okay. Okay, find your brand spark. That is the thing that is most unique to you in your industry. Something about your personality, something, okay. Yep, something about your personality. Okay. At Maverick, we didn't have anything different about our product. It was pretty much the the same. Right, you can get a drink anywhere. Yep. You can get gas anywhere. It's like a commodity, Mm -hmm. right? But what we did is we, we knew, or I did the research to find out that Maverick's personality was this independent spirit. Like, we don't care what anybody else is doing. And that's what Maverick means. Mm-hmm. So it, it was uh, intentional. It was it was part of their DNA. Mm, okay, that's right. Okay. So how do definition. I how do I um how do I visualize that and communicate that spark that brand spark in a different way? Well, we decided to use a adventure metaphor. 
Um, some people love golf and you can create a brand around kind of golf, right? That's true. So F, find your brand spark. Number two or I is identify your target customer. Who okay. is your audience? Mm-hmm. Like be very, very specific. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. absolutely. It's so, going to be like women. Okay. So at Maverick, how are you specific? Because your customers, whoever stops in, right? That's that's who we sell to. Oh, okay. But that's not who we market to. Oh, okay. So marketing and sales is very, very different. Sales, says, sales is yes to whoever's offering me money for my product. Marketing is identifying who's most likely to buy your product and service and who you will most likely profit the most from. Oh, okay. okay. So um, in your case, it would be who is going to be most influential? Who, who can I touch and emotionally connect with that has persuasion, that will share their, my thoughts and feelings with their friends and neighbors? You know, those, that's your target customer. Now, your audience would be anybody who votes who lives in this geographic region, mm-hmm. but... Mm, there's probably going to be people who kind of align themselves with your values. Okay, that narrows the scope down a little bit. Okay. Uh, because it, the more you can get them involved and engaged, the more persuasive, the more, the more action they'll take in your behalf. Right. So identify your target customer. And okay. I, I try to be super, super specific. Customer because, versus sales. Got that's, yeah, that's important. It, I've had this argument with like salespeople. They're going, I'm not going to limit who I sell to. I'm like... <laughs> Don't. I'm not telling you to stop selling to people. I'm telling you to market to specific people because in marketing, you use what we call advertising. And advertising you pay for Mm -hmm. in two ways, reach and frequency. Reach is how many people get it and you pay for that Mm -hmm. and how frequently they get the message and you pay Pay for for that. that. The larger the audience and the more frequently you advertise, the more money you have to spend. Oh, okay. Right. So don't spend right. money on people who are not very likely it's, to it's buy from you. Right. Target the audience. So, yeah. for example, at Maverick, we recognized from people who came in the store, the people who bought the most things most frequently, they're not 21-year-old girls. Because mm-hmm. 21-year-old girls are very health conscious. You know, they're going to school. They don't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They're getting gas. They're getting and- gas and maybe a bottle of water, some chewing gum or something like that. Okay. But 18-year-old to 45-year-old men who work with their hands. Great they show audience. up in trucks. Mm-hmm. They show up in crews, right? There's three or four of these guys. They get a breakfast burrito, two energy drinks, a Mountain <laughs> Dew. You know, I'm, <laughs> right, see what I'm exactly. saying? So it's Something like, to eat all day. Yep. And so it, for me to market to them, think about, think about uh, marketing in terms of fishing. In order for me to catch a fish, I have to know what type of fish I'm looking for because that requires a different type of bait. Right. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I know I'm trying to get after 18 to 45-year-old men, what will the bait look like? What will the brand need to look and feel like so that they feel like, They're I comfortable love there. this place. Yeah. yeah okay. I love this place. Right. Now, I could make it like, I might be someone who loves contemporary design and I want to upscale Maverick stores to be like New York City and I can create this beautiful experience. Mm-hmm. And Bubba, who walks in the store with muddy <laughs> boots, is going to go, I don't feel comfortable here. <laughs> exactly. This is too fancy. This is too fancy for me. Mm-hmm. Even though I like it as a business owner, so true. Don't make the brand for you. Make it for your audience. Right. Right. So you're yeah. basically. So that's why it's so important to identify your target customer. 
R in, in the SPIRE acronym, R is realize your core belief. What is it that drives you? Why do you do what you do? At Maverick, one of the things that we learned and we kind of reversed, why do we do all this stuff? Uh, other than money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Why, why, why be involved in this adventure brand? Because we believe that adventure elevates life. You, Brilliant. You, you, I, take, that's... you take troubled teens and you throw them in the woods with nothing but a bag of rice. True. And that changes their changes life. Them. We, we have some of our most uh, amazing experiences in the outdoors. With our adventure. families and creating yeah. stability and strength mm-hmm. and relationships. So adventure elevates life. And so that belief is the fuel that drives the execution of our brand. Because it's often easier to just do the first idea that pops in your head. That's and not you really think well we branded. Make money, what sells the best? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just do that. But it's like, well, no, does that reinforce our belief, our core belief? Okay. And E is, this is one of the funnest steps, is to um, establish your brand adjectives. Now, the reason that's important is that, oh, by the way, I do, I say five or six adjectives, two of which can't be used to describe any of your competitors. Oh, okay. Okay. Because if all those adjectives can be used to describe your competitor, then you're, you, then you're not unique. Then you're not okay. different. Got it. Right? Mm-hmm. So um, this would be really interesting as an individual brand. It's like, what is different about me Yeah, that, that would I be. can kind of magnify? How do I want to characterize myself? And one of the easiest ways to, to find those adjectives is I go through an exercise of where I go, I want you to list your four top favorite brands, the brands that you love. Describe them. List adjectives that describe them. And what we find is that this, they, uh, the brands that people really like, they share the same adjectives. Okay. Okay. Fun, cool, hip, trendy, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you basically circle the common ones and you bring them to your list and say, are these the brand adjectives that you'd want to describe your brand? And then we go, okay, well, mm, they seem very similar to your competitor. Well, what can we do to add adjectives or replace them with adjectives that may not be able to describe somebody else? Once you have those adjectives, those adjectives help you choose your brand attributes. And what th- mm-hmm. that means is like brand attributes are colors, fonts, text, things you see on your website. So for Maverick, you know. it was out- outdoors? Yeah. Outdoors, so maybe? Outdoorsy, off the beaten path. So the adjectives okay. we would use like extreme, okay, um, edgy, off the beaten path. Oh, that makes so much sense. Right? And so, okay, what fonts then- would we use that are edgy and off the beaten path? We'd use bold fonts, sometimes yeah. with a little bit of distress. Mm-hmm. Bo- fonts with energy. Right. Not that are easy to read, right? Wow. Because that's not, yeah. we, of course we want them to be easy to read, but I would rather sacrifice easy to read with dynamic. How does this, how does this make me feel? Mm-hmm. Because colors are the same way. We often will choose colors that we like without understanding the color psychology behind them. Interesting. So, because all colors have a universal color psychology. They do. They, yeah. If I said, I want you to choose a color that is warm and friendly and kind, what color would you choose? Um, warm, friendly, kind, probably like a blue or darker colors like that, probably. Okay. okay. So, like green would be fresh, mm-hmm. vibrant, Clean. vitality. Mm-hmm. So, if I was developing a like a fresh food program. Right. You'd want Green would greens. be really good or uh, eco-friendly, mm-hmm. right? Blue is pure, is um, light. Uh, 
oranges and yellows are warm and soft and friendly. Yeah. You know, so okay. if I if my brand was energetic, aggressive, um, take no prisoners, red mm -hmm. and those Bold red colors would be like, okay, that's aggressive. I don't get to say, well, purple means X. No, sorry. It's you know, it's pretty universal. Uh, if you want to be represented a certain way, choose the colors that already do that. So my campaign colors were blue and orange. Okay. So what does that represent? So blue, blue is stability. Okay. Blue is professionalism. Things you'd see like an IBM. That's why IBM would use that. Gray is very conservative, right? Orange is energy. Orange is friendliness. Hmm. Orange is cheerfulness. So you have this professional cheerfulness. Is Which, that who you are? Yes. And so okay. my campaign guy said, well, what are your favorite colors? And I said, uh -huh. well, blue and orange. And he said, okay, that's going on your sign. Yeah. Well, oftentimes so like the favorite that. colors, because you're an individual mm -hmm. and you are the brand, the reason you like them is because they already have psychological meaning to you. Interesting. I've never thought about it. Yeah. So what's, what's kind of um, interesting about the whole branding process is that most people think branding is intuitive and anybody can do it. It's, I didn't it's realize not. how complicated it, it is. is. It is. We engineer it. You, in order to be a good at it. branding, you have to understand what fonts are and what they mean. Angles. Like if I want to say something's very exciting and energetic, I would italicize bold font with clean edges. Um, we, as, we as, as humans, we have come to uh, appreciate soft and round things because that's safe. And if things are rounded, rounded corners, mm -hmm. rounded things, I can approach it. But if it's pokey, I'm staying off. It's more professional. It's cooler. Interesting. Yep. So uh, things at an angle have more energy. Things that are stacked on top of each other are more stable. So if I want my brand to be stable, I'm going to be clean edge clean lines, edge. nothing at a diagonal. But if I want to be crazy, I would I'd totally ignore any horizontal and vertical lines. I'd be like angle, angle. It's so interesting because as, yeah, as you're talking about this, I'm understanding all of this, but I, mm -hmm. I didn't pay attention to it. I'm These paying attention are, to you, you can read it intuitively, yeah. but you don't know how to create it because we haven't been trained to understand. It's like a language. It's a visual it, it, language. It really is. All of the mm -hmm. subconscious sort of things that mm -hmm. you're reminding me about when I see different fonts or different writing yeah. or different styles or colors. Mm-hmm. They're Honey. not just pretty and different. They actually have They're very intentional. Well, and, and, your, and your process is so intentional because it all creates your brand. I mm -hmm. mean. That's right. Because once you I have, have no that, idea. once you've fired up your brand, uh, you, you then are capable of developing the brand attributes, the fonts, colors, textures, and stuff like that, that you can use consistently and be very um, confident that it will reflect your brand values that you've established when you fire it up. You know, because then you can say, sometimes I'll even use what's called a brand matrix. And this sounds fancy, but really it's your brand adjectives on a, on like a graph. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You put your logo in the top right hand corner and then across the top, it's like, think about like a maverick thing would be like aggressive, energetic, um, extreme, right? And on the other continuum, you would have like uh, outdoors. So the more you are towards the mountains, and the closer you are to like extreme adrenaline junkie, mm -hmm. that's like that's, the maverick. That's rare. Right? But the safer it is and the further away from the mountains it is, the less on brand it is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I, when you say, oh, let's use this font. Well, let's put it on the matrix. And let's is see what it, it looks like. 
energetic? Is it, does it look outdoors? You know, does it make, does it look like it's made out of wood or does it, you know, does it have a rough and tumble edge to it? Who who does it appeal to? Who does it make feel comfortable? And then you go uh, like, uh, for example, we need an image on our new cup design. Uh Okay. Do we put a canoe on a lake or do we put a kayak going down a big waterfall? And Which it does make energetic. a difference. It does make a difference right? as you're describing it. So you go, oh, well, well, the kayak is, or the, the canoe is outdoors, so it's high on the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But where does it slide on the extreme? It's wow. not as extreme. So you, you go, oh, well, I know it's a pretty canoe, but can we find a better solution? It's kind of like the, the on-brand square is the convergence of those two. Okay. The one, you know, high on one or not the other is like the, meh, it's okay. And then low on both is the no brand zone. Does no not go. work. No. Gosh. Yeah. And this is all in my book, no, by the way. So say, I'm going to completely buy your book. But <laughs> this is really exciting because I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. I'm thinking about our own company stuff and just mm-hmm. my podcast and public service. So your brand, mm-hmm. besides being awesome... Thank you. What what do you what drives you about this? Because you're, I mean, you know oh, it. You can see I'm and excited this is about exciting. it. Yes, well, I feel your I energy. There are so many brands that suck. They really do. They really do. The, yeah. We have we we live in a, a world where um, branding. Every company has a brand. Every person has a brand already. It is de facto of whatever it is they're currently doing. But if it's not intentional, the perspective. And the impression we give may not be in line with what we really want. Hmm. It's like, it's like, well, I'm showing up to, and I'm being authentic today. Like if I was authentic every morning, I would never work out. I would never go to the gym. Because the guy that wakes up in my bed in the morning is not the guy that went to sleep. The guy that went to sleep last night was going to the gym. Up the bag, oh, exactly. You know, he's like, I'm ready. The guy that wakes up in the morning is going, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to get a thing of donuts. And I'm going to have a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. And I'm not going to the gym. Oh, I'm laughing because that was me this morning. We, but, but here's the thing. I was already last night. So, so here's, you, you get it. Mm-hmm. The natural thing to do, if you're authentic to yourself, you would say, well, I'm going to be authentic to myself this morning. Which authentic self are you going to be authentic to, to right? It's true. The one that was, went to bed or the one that woke up? Both Good are authentic. Question. Right. But you get to choose. So for me... I wake up in the morning, I don't want to go to the gym, but I go to the gym because go. part of my brand is I want to be vital. Okay. I want to That's... be energetic. I want to have, I want to, when people look at me and go, that guy's healthy, that guy works out, he care, takes care of himself. Because I want people to think, if he's going to take that good care of himself, he'll take Ab- that absolutely. good care of me. And and we do think that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we so assume people level. are like, oh, if they're heavy or whatever... Even though that's not true, we assume they're not taking care of themselves. They don't have mm-hmm. self-discipline. It's sadly right? but true. Mm-hmm. We do make those assumptions. And those are brand And we don't even attributes. realize it. And so we do the same thing when we intentionally create a brand. So you're thin, you're healthy looking. I would say you're probably somebody who takes care of things. If it's administrative, you take care of things because you take care of yourself. Interesting. Um, I, I, it would be hard for me to imagine that you let your life go to crazy but yet you take care of yourself. I don't understand right, how it's, the it's dichotomy incongru- there. Right, exactly. It doesn't right? make sense. It's not consistent. So wh- how we dress, our personal, our personal brands, Ooh. what we wear, our hairstyle, our, you know, do I shave, do I not shave? That's our packaging. 
Right. You know, can you imagine if Pepsi Cola went, uh, what am I going to do today? Oh, let's put whatever we want on the package. <laughs> no, right. it's consistent every time. Right. It's intentional. It's supposed to convey a, a, an emotion or a feeling. Now, imagine when you wake up in the morning, you go, what do I want people to think and feel about me? It's true. What am I going right. to wear so that people know what I'm about it, instead it, of what's yeah. comfortable? Well, well it, and as you're talking about this, I'm thinking... You know, sometimes I'll wake up and think, okay, what do I have to show up to? How should I look? Mm -hmm. Instead of realizing, how do I want to look? Yeah. You know, I've kind of both, both, uh, both versions of myself mm -hmm. saying, mm -hmm. being more intentional about that yeah. is very important. Did, did, have we, you written this down? I mean, did you for yourself at some point I, in your life I, kind I of take your own it's personal? Hard. It's super, super hard to do it yourself. Um, because it's, like, it's smart, though. It's like a dentist that works on his own teeth. Yeah, it's kind of hard it's to do. It's just hard to do because you don't have the psychological distance from yourself. But I did. I went, um, I wrote down uh, like my brand strategy, like my, the way I look, my energy level. Now, mm -hmm. if I came in, it's like if I had a headache or if I'm, if I'm just not feeling very good or if I'm feeling a little bit depressed, which uh -huh. I do at times, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I was in here, I could say, hey, look, you know what? To me, I'm just going to sit back in my chair, let you do the work. Because I'm a, I'm showing up as my authentic self right now. <laughs> this version of me. Right. This is this version of me. It's like, nope. Um, so I write down, like, one of the things that I found is I want to uplift people. I want to spark creativity in people. I want to give them energy mm -hmm. so that when they leave me, they go, oh, that was, that was awesome. Exactly. So this means when I show up at a social thing and I'm not feeling like I'm on and you know this as a public person, mm -hmm. you know when you have to be on. you got to make eye contact. You right. go and introduce you, you, yourself right, to you people. To, right. Right? Mm -hmm. so Work the room. And... I know that's my mission, even though I may not. I may be the guy that woke up that morning and didn't want to do it. It's like, no, that's my role. That's my responsibility. That's part of my brand. So if I show up at a social thing, I own that room. I go and talk to people. Because there have been times when I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, a wallflower. And mm -hmm. no one cares about the wallflower. Right. But I'm going to show up and, and you're going to be dynamic. I'm going to walk in like I, this is my place. And I, sometimes I go, I show up and I'm like, I don't know anybody here. Everybody's going to think I'm weird. Everybody's, everybody's going to judge me. They're going to think that I'm stupid. Uh, I don't have the same experiences that these guys have. But what's interesting is that when I show up with that level of confidence, people assume like, this guy's a big deal. And they're drawn to you, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's not because I'm being fake. I'm being intentional to the part of me that I want to magnify. That's brilliant. And I love how you just said that because it's true. Yeah. Because we're all, we all suck. Right. And we're all awesome. Right. But in, in, the, in the same moment sometimes. But so. I love the intentionality of it. Right. I want, like we live our lives and we end up being where we end up being because we're drawn by the current of life. Or... Or we say, I want this in my life. I want to be, like for me, um, I've got eight brothers. Not all of them take care of themselves. Some are heavy. I'm like, I don't want that in my life. Genetically, I'd be just like them. If you and I do the same thing with, like, with business. I can just work for somebody else. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But that's not me. And it's easier to work for somebody else because I did that for eight years. It it is I nice did, to show up and be able to go home, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. but I, it's it's like I feel like I need to add more to the world, and I'm highly discontented. 
I'm I'm very happy, mm-hmm. but I'm highly discontented, which means I'm always driving to do okay, something. Okay, that that would be me. I hey. pre- yeah, I appreciate that description. Have you ever kind of associated uh, discontentedness with being unhappy or being depressed? Um, or have you always known that? Oh, that's to- totally different. No, no, I think I have. I think mm-hmm. I have. Just thinking, I I need to do something, but I, yeah, I I, th- I have for sure. And then I've realized that they're different, mm-hmm. and and you can do something about it. Yeah, my wife said. Are you ever going to be happy? And I'm like, I I am happy. Okay, okay. When you're talking about that, my yes, my family will say that. Isn't okay. is this enough? Right. Kind of like, isn't it enough? I mean, mm-hmm. you're already doing all these things. Isn't that enough? And it's not that I'm doing it because I want to be like to look better. Right. But I just feel like there's more to do. See, you're a creative soul, so. and discontent creativity drives discontentment. Um, if we were co- totally content. We wouldn't need to create anything because we're hope happy with the status quo. But because true. you're creative and you see, you can vision. Maybe not art, artsy creative, but yeah, not you artsy see a different sure. vision. You see a different future, and your discontentedness drives the pursuing of that's of true. making a better future. Now, if you were totally content, right. you wouldn't. I right. You wouldn't change is required. Changes re- requires the the discontented person. Uh, that, Evolution that's requires true. a discontent. So you yeah. are. It's a gift. It's it's a two edged short sword. It's a gift to be discontented because that's where the future is built. It's true, right? And the but planning discontent and the is like and the vision and like I'm I'm just I'm not happy, right? Or I'm I, not, I can't uh, relax. That may, yes, that that's so you're probably that's like busy, ex- busy, busy. Yes, that's mm-hmm. exactly right. That's exactly can't right. sit down and like. I can't just. I just can't watch a TV show without having something <laughs> else going on as well, and and totally. maybe I don't. Know, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but yeah. But, but it's true. That's really interesting. because time. You you value time so much. Like I want to waste. A exactly. Second. I don't want to waste time, so I want to get stuff done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and make sure that every moment is intentional. Even though I do sit on the couch just like everyone else, mm-hmm. and uh, I do too, and and have downtime. I, for sure. I need it. I need it, but. Um, I, I I learned I read a book um, that said uh, that discontent is not unhappiness, and it was the first time I realized that because my wife would always ask me, "So, or when are you going to be happy? When are you going to be happy?" Yeah. And because I write a book, you do a triathlon, right. Write a children's book, <laughs> have a YouTube a mo- channel. Yeah, it's like all these things. Like, can you ever just? Because my wife is so wonderfully relaxed. She is so content. Is she really? That's oh, great. Man, she's and she's like. Anything her she life sleeps well at night is perfect. She just thinks that her life is just awesome, and Fantastic. I love it. But but she's I I'm jealous of her contentedness. Mm-hmm. I understand. But I can get it in like little like a vacation mm-hmm. where I like set up a, this. I'm intentionally going to be unintentional <laughs> for, for five minutes. I'm going to really be relaxed. Right? Yeah, I <laughs> I completely understand. Who's inspired you? Oh my gosh! I mean, you were talking about you've talked a little bit about your the book, and then mm-hmm. uh-huh, your I love the Perkins. Um, do you have some other role models in terms of authors or speakers or? Yeah. Um, so uh, Walt Disney. I know it sounds maybe trite and stuff, but one of the things I love about Walt Disney is he created a vision of of entertainment, of, of of adding life to characters. And now he wasn't the best artist. He hired other be- artists that were way better than him. But he created a legacy of joy and, and um, you know, movies and stuff that I still enjoy. 
Right. And my kids still enjoy it. And I go, what a great legacy. Um, But he was one of those discontented souls too. But so so Walt Disney was a big deal to me. Um, I'm also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, You know, Jesus Christ is a huge, like, I try so hard to learn as much as I can about him because I believe that his his attributes can be learned. You know, his kindness, his forgiving, his um, his patience. Um, but he's also strong. Mm-hmm. Um, he's th- thoughtful. He thinks about the least. You know, he mm-hmm. and reaches out. And- right, and so I'm like, as uh, to study his life helps me to be, become more like him because I think he's the perfect role model. Like he's strong, smart, I agree. handsome, you know, I, I, all the things yeah. that I can think of like all, the all best of the, of the all best. Of the things, right? right. I want to be like that. But he was the guy that said, he's the who's whoever's the least among you, he's the greatest. Right. And that means we've got to serve and reach out and, and reach out and, to right, the people who need the help the most instead of like being up on the top. Like, right. Hey, and not I'm be gonna... so consumed with saving the world when yeah. we can save an individual. And, and there's so much we can people. learn about him. There's so much material that we can learn about him that it's kind of a a lifelong pursuit. That's that's it's like fantastic. a little hobby. Right. Thing. And what a role model, of course. Yeah. To be able to look to our savior and mm-hmm. his example. Mm-hmm. And on all of the things that we want to become and be mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Ernie, you are so interesting. You're awesome. You. <laughs> this has been an awesome, awesome oh, opportunity to you're talk sweet. to you. I was so excited when Larry told me that you were willing yeah. to come on. Oh, my pleasure. You've taught me more about branding in this, in this, during this podcast than I've ever known. I always thought branding was just, okay, consistent font, use the same font every time. Thanks. Consistent colors, use the same colors. Not that it had any purpose or <laughs> rhyme or reason to any of that. You know, this is always the graphic we use because this is our brand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but I I it's have no idea. I'm, I'm yeah. going to get your book. Okay, good. And good. Thank give you. books out to everybody that works for us. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and spread Thank it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ernie. My pleasure. It's been really, really great. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. To all my podcast listeners, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Please leave comments and please leave suggestions for future guests. And most importantly, subscribe. Thank you.